You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan side of network. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy weekend. Happy Timberwolves game day. Today's show is a special crossover edition of Locked On Wolves. Uh, the entire show today will be a crossover with Ryland Styles of the Locked On Thunder podcast. We talked about all things Wolves and Thunder. Um, really just kind of a wide-ranging discussion. Ryland's surprise at the Timberwolves struggles this year. His his, um, you know, asking of me where I think the Wolves go from here, how much time Ryan Saunders has, how much time, um, you know, Towns and D'Angelo Russell have together. And then I ask Rylan about, you know, the, the thought around, you know, the, the Thunder fan base has related to, um, the, you know, where they're at so far this year being a surprising nine and 11, you know, there's some underlying numbers that suggest there's some regression coming, but they've outperformed expectations. Shea Gilgis Alexander has been fantastic. Mark Daniel, the new coach is, is really good. Um, so I ask him a few of those questions. We, we go back and forth a little bit, talk about the wolves and thunder. And that'll be the entirety of today's show, getting you ready for the two game series, the back-to-back Friday night, Saturday night, both games in Oklahoma city. Um, so this will serve as your preview for both games. Um, and uh, we'll have a, a post-game pod after Saturday's game as well to check in on the Wolves this weekend. So stay tuned for that. Um, so without further ado, let's get into that. Um, and, and as a reminder, you can subscribe to this podcast anywhere you get podcasts. Of course, iTunes, Spotify, Google, et cetera. You can also follow on Twitter at Locked on T-Wolves. That's at Locked on T-Wolves. Don't forget the T. All right, let's go ahead and get into my conversation with Ryland Styles of Locked on Thunder. Here's Ryland. So I wanted to start this conversation by just getting the expectations out there. Like in the preseason, Ben, what what were the expectations for the Timberwolves? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the expectation was that this team would compete at least for a play-in spot in the Western Conference, even if it's not a top eight seed. It's obviously this year with the nine and ten seeds being in play-in games. There, there was an expectation that this wouldn't be a bottom feeding team this season, and unfortunately, due to a number of different circumstances, that obviously they they have been tied for the worst record in the league. Um, I, I don't think it's fair to say that playoffs were the expectation, but just in the hunt for a you know 500 record, I think the win total over under this year was 32 and a half, which is a little below 500 in, in the abbreviated schedule, um, which I felt was a little low. I think a healthy Wolves team should have been able to compete for a 500 record should have been in the conversation with the likes of, you know, Memphis and new Orleans and, and, uh, San Antonio for the seven, eight spot, maybe nine, 10 spot in the West. And, uh, and that has led to, you know, Timberwolves fans are used to the goalposts being moved. That's something that happens basically every year. Um, you know, the wolves have made the playoffs one time in the last 19 seasons. And, uh, so I think to say that playoffs, you know, a solid playoff spot was, was an expectation would be a little bit lofty, but certainly competitive, certainly around the 500 mark. That's where everyone kind of expected this thing to be. And at five and 16, obviously that's not the case. And so right now you mentioned moving the goalpost where, where are the goalposts at as we sit today? Well, I think, um, that that's a tough question. I mean, when's Carl Anthony Towns coming back? I mean, that's that's I guess the answer to that. And obviously, you know, there's there's far greater concerns for Cat. He's still out due to COVID nineteen health and safety. Although he's with the team on the current road trip, and so that implies that he's he's healthy and working his way back in terms of conditioning. Um, he's played in four of the first twenty one games. 
and the Wolves are two and two in those games. They beat Utah on the road. Um, they lost one of those four games in overtime and the other game they had a double digit lead in the fourth quarter and lost. So they could be easily four and zero with cat in the lineup. I'm not suggesting that this team is a, you know, a uh, an easy playoff team with cat in the lineup, but it's certainly not a five and 16 team. If cat is healthy. Um, so I think at this point, the expectation is you get Carl Anthony towns back, you make some progress, you challenge a 500 record from this point forward. And you know, whatever that ends up being at the end of the season in a 72 game season, that's, you know, if you're, if you're, you know, not able to do the math right now, but just short, you know, just a little below 500, you can play roughly 500 ball the rest of the way. Then I think everybody feels okay about this season as disappointing as the ultimate finish would be. Um, there would at least be some, some steps in the right direction, some confirmation that cat is the guy that D'Angelo Russell is, is number two, that Ryan Saunders is the coach. I mean, there's a lot of questions that I think having cat on the floor would at least, um, would at least go, go a little ways towards answering. And I think that with the Timberwolves, I mean, what helps them out is that the entire West is so jumbled up. I mean, yes, right now they're five and sixteen, and they have the the best odds to win the lottery. They're the worst team in the NBA record-wise with Detroit, but they're also only three games worse than Dallas right now, right. And, and they're only four and a half games worse than Oklahoma City. And you play Oklahoma City twice this weekend, you can easily, you know, if you take two of two here then that automatically puts you in a better position. And so I think that all teams in the NBA are so helped by this just jumbled mess that leaves in the Western Conference with only like, what, three clear-cut, proven good teams right now, Denver, Utah, and then L.A., so, so it's four. But you know those are the proven record-wise good teams. And so that helps everyone in the Western Conference, I think. So I don't think that the that the play-in is necessarily out of the realm of possibility. But as you mentioned, the, the goal should be, you know, 500 and just, just showing improvement. Yeah. And they're, I think five, five, five and a half games out of that, at that 10th spot. Um, and, and obviously the teams ahead of them, New Orleans and Dallas are directly in front of them. And those teams are both expected to be playoff teams. Obviously Dallas and New Orleans was supposed to be in that seven, eight, nine, ten conversation. And then some other teams have surprised, whether that be Oklahoma City, who we'll talk about here in a second. And Sacramento has been a little better than expected. Phoenix has probably even been better than most people expected, San Antonio. But as you said, most of those teams that we just listed, in fact, all of them have negative point differentials. There's some underlying numbers that suggest that maybe they're outperforming expectations. Whereas you're looking at a Wolves team that is, has been nothing close to full strength um, to this point. And, and obviously there's lots of excuses that could be made for a lot of teams out there. Um, but I think I think the Wolves are a team that wanted to compete, that uh, you, you alluded to the lottery for next year. The Timberwolves don't have their lottery selection next year unless it's top three protected. If it falls outside the top three and there's a 60% chance, even if they finish with the worst record, that it would fall outside the top three, that pick is going to Golden State as part of the D'Angelo Russell, Andrew Wiggins swap. They also don't have their second round pick in next year's draft, which is a loaded draft. And so um, the Wolves have no incentive to not try and win. Carl Anthony Towns obviously wants to win at this point in his career. D'Angelo Russell wants to win. And you mentioned the games against Oklahoma City. The schedule gets pretty tough right after that. And then it lets up a little bit towards the end of the first half. And so I think if Cat comes back, you may see some struggles because of the schedule here in the near term. Um, but if they can finish the first half strong and, and, you know, be within five games, of the 500 mark or something like that, then I think there can certainly be some silver linings taken away from, um, from the season to this point. 
Yeah, and I think that these two games with Oklahoma City and Minnesota are so important because both teams have a really tough schedule after this, and they're in that jumbled mess. Again, the Thunder are only four and a half games better than Minnesota right now, so these two games can really swing things. And after this, the Thunder play back-to-back games against the Lakers. They play the Nuggets, the Bucks, the Bucks, and the, and the Nuggets again, all in this last, all in this next month, along with some other fringe playoff teams. So this is going to be a tough month for Oklahoma City. And I think that since we're in February already, that it's natural for everyone to want to overreact because this is the time period in which we normally, in a normal season, get to fire off all these takes. But to me, until March, until the start of March, nothing is truly clear-cut. I think that no matter how well or how good you feel about Oklahoma City's performance to this point, if you're a Thunder fan listening to this, I think that we can all agree Dallas is a more talented team than Oklahoma City, and right now you have a better record than Dallas. So, I mean, these these things are going to normalize here, and I think that with Minnesota and Oklahoma City, this weekend will really set the tone for how the rest of the season goes because they both have uphill battles the rest of this month that they really need to capitalize, each team does, on this weekend series. Yeah, agreed. And and from Oklahoma City's perspective, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, coming into the season, there was kind of this, at least from an outsider's perspective, as, as somebody who covers the Timberwolves, I, th- I think there was a sense nationally that, hey, the Thunder, you know, well, everybody thought this last year too, right? I mean, everybody thought Chris Paul was going to get traded and turns out he didn't and they were a playoff team. Um, and there was a sense again this year that maybe Oklahoma City is going to be okay with tanking. If, if they're not actively tanking, you know, they hire a new coach, they're going to kind of passively tank. And here they are outperforming their point differential, outperforming expectations. Shea Gilgis Alexander being good as everybody expected him to be. And despite, um, you know, I guess the front office's best efforts, and, and maybe I'm off base there, but it really feels like they were okay with losing. And here they are, you know, only a couple games outside the playoff picture and, um, you know, a few lucky bounces here and there, and they're right in it. And from the Timberwolves side, as I mentioned, they don't have their pick. And so there's zero incentive for the Timberwolves to not win. And yet here the Timberwolves are tied for the league's worst record. It's, it's quite the reversal of fortunes. And, and uh, I, I think it's, I speak on behalf of Timberwolves fans when I say that Wolves fans are definitely jealous of, of the, uh, the luck that maybe not all luck, but the success, I guess that the Thunder have had so far. Before we get Ryland's response to me trying to guilt trip him and all all Thunder fans, really, about their relative success compared to the Timberwolves' failures over the past decade plus, um, let's talk about betonline.ag. Are you ready for Super Bowl Sunday? It is right around the corner, just a couple days away. There are tons of prop bets available on betonline.ag, um, and I have been all over you know, just kind of filing away prop bets I'm going to make for Sunday, as well as, um, you know, several other bets along the way. I actually had a couple NBA bets that didn't go as well on Thursday night. I did nail um, from the Lockdown Bets podcast. There was a wrong team favored that Lee Sterling and your boy Q did. And I, I nailed that one, or I should say Lee Sterling nailed that one. Um, and uh, I've gotten gotten pretty involved in betonline.ag this week. And you better believe I'm going to be all over prop bets on Sunday. BetOnline.ag is the only place that has you covered and the only place that we here at Locked On Trust. You can sign up today for a free account at BetOnline.ag. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Now is the perfect time right before the Super Bowl. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. 
Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get podcasts. All right, back to Rowland's response on my needling the thunder and their fans for their recent string of success. Yeah, I think that this season has been so weird for Oklahoma City because they were expected to be that tanking team. And look, tanking only happens, as you know, in the front office. And the bottom line is Sam Presti made moves that that made this roster worse. They could have had a much better roster had they just simply not traded Chris Paul for Ty Jerome, who's in the G League bubble right now. And that made the roster worse. So the, the team tried to put out a product on the floor that would focus solely on a youth movement and development of young pieces. Now, they also have a first-year head coach. And so when you factor in a first-year head coach, a youth movement, and a team that on paper did not have a ton of depth, you imagine they lose a lot of games. But they're exactly where I think that they were going to be. I've always said on this podcast that they were going to play a ton of close games, and they're going to be competitive. And when a young team is competitive... And whenever they, they are in every game, the ball can bounce your way. And then the balls bounce their way in a few games. I mean, they've, they've had multiple close wins that could have gone either way. They've had multiple close losses that could have gone either way. But the numbers suggest that there's going to be a regression here. And if that regression never comes, then so be it. But I think that the perspective coming into the year was just focus on the youth and the development. And what's a benefit for Oklahoma City is that that youth and the development of their youth has taken off. I mean, SGA is playing at an all-star caliber level. Will he get in there? Tough to say because it's the Western Conference. Does he deserve to be in there? It's a different conversation. Lou Dort has taken off. I mean, he's had a slow week this past week, but before that, he was lights out from beyond the arc, and he's and he's being a contributor on the offensive end while only making winning plays on the defensive end. And then you've seen Darius Baisley wake up these last two weeks as well, which really, really helps. And then you had the emergence of rookie Tail Maldon, and then the bench unit has gotten help by Isaiah Roby and Kendrick Williams. And, and I mean, those two guys were never expected to have any sort of role or be any sort of contributor. People were so upset that the Thunder did not cut Isaiah Roby for the likes of Frank Jackson in the preseason. And now Isaiah Roby has been a valuable piece to help you win these nine games. This season has been topsy-turvy, and I think it's been more topsy-turvy than last year because last year's team, the team on paper was good. I mean, you have Gallinari, you have Dennis, you have Chris Paul, you have SGA, you have Steven Adams. On paper, we knew that team was going to be good and going to be about where they finished at. Now, they did surpass that you know upper echelon of playoff teams. They finished fifth, which could have finished fourth, you know, tied with the same record as fourth place. So they did overperform in that sense, but everyone knew that they were going to be a borderline, could be a playoff team if they didn't trade off their pieces. And then they didn't trade off their pieces. And I think that with this year's team, though, on paper, people thought this is a bad roster. Without any other moves being made, they thought this was a bad roster. And so the Thunder have outperformed that projection immensely. And I think that that goes to people undervaluing the leap that SGA would make. And, you know, of course, no one could predict uh, the, the type of production you got from the bench unit, but the leap SGA would make. And I think that people did not get enough, give enough credit to Mark Dagnott, who's been a phenomenal coach so far and has done just wonders with this group. His offensive system is generating open shots, and some nights they're knocking them down, and they're looking like a well-oiled machine offensively. So they have outperformed expectations to this point, but they're also still 9-11. and 11. There are underlying numbers to make you believe a regression could come, and they haven't beaten that many good teams. Now, they had a very impressive win earlier this week on Wednesday against the Rockets whenever the Thunder had nine players against the Rockets without SGA, without George Hill, and still won by 17 points. So right now... 
you simply have to throw your hands up in the air with Oklahoma City and say, I don't know, and wait out this February stretch. I think that at the end of this month, you'll be able to know what kind of team that the Thunder are. Yeah, and, and I think when you look at you know some of the underlying numbers, whether it's net rating, you know, point differential, some of the different um, offensive efficiency numbers, um, and some of the things that suggest that there could be some regression, um, you have to point to coaching as one of the things that can help a team outperform some of those some of those underlying numbers. That's one. You know, it's not simply luck. It's coaching. It's it's um, you know what they're doing with the opportunities they're getting. It's strength of schedule and um, and as you mentioned, you know the Thunder don't have that many impressive wins, and maybe that's one of the reasons why they might come back down to earth a little bit. But I mean, that's one of the things Timberwolves fans look at at the roster and say, look, um, you know, there's how many players do the Wolves have that would start on a playoff team? Very likely, if you include Carl Anthony Towns, you've got three: Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, and Malik Beasley. I mean, Beasley at worst is a sixth man on a good playoff team. It's all the other pieces that aren't producing, that aren't pro- providing any any sort of value. And part of that's on the front office, and it's obviously still a work in progress, and Gerson Rosas would tell you that. And part of it's on coaching to get the most out of out of what you have. And in the Wolves' case, that it's not there's not a ton of talent outside of those three. Now, obviously, you've got the number one pick in Anthony Edwards, and um, he's had a very, uh, a very up and down season so far. He started strong, had a swoon of about five games where he shot like 25% from the field and just wasn't very good. And now over the past week, he's been awesome again. Um, and and I, I vented about this on Thursday's show, but the Wolves uh, lost on, on Wednesday night. Um, to the Spurs by two points, Anthony Edwards touched the ball, touched the ball, not shot the ball, touched it one time in the entire fourth quarter. And that was when he got a rebound on a missed free throw by by the Spurs, dribbled the ball up the court and handed it to D'Angelo Russell. And you want to start empowering your young players. It, you know, the, the Wolves came into this game five and 15. They're, you mentioned there's a chance they could compete for a bubble spot. You get Towns back, you never know. But this isn't a surefire playoff team. They're tied for the worst record in the league. Why is D'Angelo Russell playing in isolation and operating in the pick and roll, not passing the ball? Why aren't you giving Anthony Edwards an opportunity down the stretch? There's some of those things that I feel like the Thunder and Dagno have done a much better job this year than Ryan Saunders and the Timberwolves coaching staff. And and um, you look at the two rosters, uh, you could argue, I mean, certainly without Towns, SGA is the best player between the two rosters if Towns doesn't play. And outside of that, I mean, you could argue that the Wolves have some of the better second tier talent, whether it's Malik Beasley, D'Angelo Russell, but the Thunder are performing much better because of coaching and because of the positions they're putting their players in to succeed more than anything. And and that, I think, is one of the things that's so frustrating for Timberwolves fans. I think that with the Timberwolves, I, I find them so frustrating, like you said, because I, I think that there's so much more there. And with the Thunder, we're in such a good position because it, it's simply house money. And this was a phrase that was used a lot last year. But with this year, I think it's even more you know, acceptable to use because if the Thunder do lose games, you're going to get top picks in a loaded draft. And if they win games, you're going to win games, not because of Chris Paul or not because of Gallinari, but you're going to win games because of your young players. You're going to win games because of a Kenrich Williams blowout game where he scores 19 points and just helps you beat the the Rockets or Isaiah Roby. You're going to win games because of SGA goes off like an all-star and gets to the line 13 times and produces. You're going to win games because Lou Dort and Darius Baisley play well. And then your young coach is looking like the best coach in Thunder history, albeit it's only been four coaches, but still, I think that that's why the Thunder are in such a good position because while you can want Cade Cunningham, you can also realize, hey, winning is not necessarily a bad thing because you're doing it with such great development. And and the Wolves just seem, I mean, I want you to expand on this a little bit more, but they just seem in this weird place where 
It feels like they're not producing, but it also feels unfair to even judge them because it feels like we have not seen the true team that they've built. We have not really seen D'Lo and Cat, much less D'Lo, Cat, and uh, Anthony Edwards. So it just feels even unfair to judge the Wolves, even though it, it, it has been disappointing so far. Yeah, I mean, you're spot on. I, the Wolves acquired D'Angelo Russell almost exactly a year ago. It was like 51 weeks ago, trade deadline last February. And this may surprise Thunder, Thunder fans, listeners to your show, D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns have shared the floor for exactly five games and never more than two in a row going back a full calendar year. Obviously, a lot of that had to do with with the truncated season last year with COVID-19. But I mean, they acquired D'Lo. He missed the first game with an injury. Cat misses the next. He, they play one game together at Toronto. Then Cat misses the next however many games due to injury. He had the wrist injury. This year, they start the season healthy. Cat hurts his wrist again. Well, Cat comes back. D'Lo misses a game because he uh, had a, a small, I think he missed a game for rest, and then he had a, a quad in injury. Now Towns is out with COVID. Um, they've played five games together. The Wolves are three and two in those games. Their only losses are an overtime loss and a loss at Toronto last year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's 100% fair to to give both the coaching staff and the front office something, I don't, I don't like the word pass, but something, you know, there's some understanding that has to be had there um, that we haven't seen this full team together. The the Malik Beasley extension appears to be, as much as some people really thought it was, it was a complete overpay, it might end up being a bargain. If he plays as he has the first 20 games this year, 21 games this year, that could be a bargain at, at a, you know, 14 million a year for Malik Beasley moving forward. If he's going to average 20 and five or 20 and six a night. Um, so we haven't seen the, the towns Russell pairing together consistently. We haven't seen it with Malik Beasley consistently. Um, and Anthony Edwards has looked pretty good 21 games into his young career. And, and so there's definitely some of that. I, I think the frustrating thing is when the team's not competitive and there you've talked about how the thunder have been aggressive and competitive of the wolves, 16 losses this year, there's probably at least eight or nine of them that weren't close, that just weren't that competitive. You didn't see the the fire and the passion. And do you have a young roster with a young head coach? That's what, at the very least, you should be getting the effort. And I think that's what's frustrating um, to Timberwolves fans. And 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 if if I could say something to, to Thunder fans, I actually live in Oklahoma City, and so I'm a little familiar with the uh, with the fan base in Oklahoma City and and kind of the the um, the fandom that surrounds the Thunder and. Since I've lived here, which is over a decade now, the Thunder have been, I think, a playoff team every year but one, if I'm not mistaken. And fans here don't don't understand what it's like to have a team that isn't um, always competitive, that isn't exceeding those expectations. And I think it's important to understand that, I mentioned this earlier, the Timberwolves have made the playoffs one time in 19 years. And there just hasn't been much hope many of those years. Whereas for the Thunder, here they are not even really trying to win. And yet the young coach is doing so well. The young players are playing so well. And there's this exciting upside where worst case scenario, you know, we get a good draft pick and best case scenario, young players are winning and we get a decent draft pick. Um, whereas the wolves, there's no real upside at this point for the season, unless they finish on an extremely hot streak and, and everybody feels good about Towns and Delo playing together because um, they're going to lose their pick this year. And, and there's just this crazy dichotomy between this. Here we go again about Timberwolves fandom, which is, you know, a lot of times maybe too self-deprecating, but true one playoff finish in 19 years. And then the thunder, on the other hand, it's, it's almost unfair. Timberwolves fans looked down I 35 at their, at their division rivals, I guess maybe rivals is too strong of a word and, and see how successful the thunder have been. And this year is just another, another example of Sam Presti doing enough to, uh, you know, pulling the right levers to make his team competitive. And it's just, uh, I, I guess it's fair to say Timberwolves fans are envious of, of this run that the thunder have been on. 
Hey, have you seen Andrew Wiggins play at Chesapeake Energy Arena back in the day? <laughs> it is safe to say this was a rivalry. <laughs> going, yeah, that's fair. Going back to him and lighting it up. Well, and also there's the uh, up- there's the Ricky Rubio uh, buzzer beater, which was maybe I don't know the last the last uh, <laughs> I don't know maybe probably the last buzzer beater the Wolves have had, and that was like six years ago. So that's definitely in in uh, Timberwolves fans' memories as well. Thunder legend, Ricky Rubio. But coming up, we're going to talk about uh, just resetting that conversation around Thunder fans and Wolves fans. I think, I think that that's important, especially for the Oklahoma City audience. First, though, let's talk about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar of all time. I promise you, I have a new shipment coming this weekend. Um, actually, two mixed boxes that I purchased. And some of those flavors, I got three flavors in each box. It's going to be a mix of my favorite flavors, flavors and my wife's favorite flavors. We're getting caramel brownie. Um, Cherry Barcia is my new favorite. That's in there. Mint brownie's in there. Um, she really liked the... Uh, the raspberry, and then also there's another fruit flavor that she really liked. Um, oh, orange. She really liked orange. That's going to be in there as well. We just ordered two brand new boxes. I promise you, if you like protein bars, you're going to be shocked when you taste Bilt Bar. It tastes exactly like a candy bar, not at all like any protein bar you've ever had. Um, I challenge you to give it a try. Every single Bilt Bar is covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. They are perfect if you're health conscious. They can help you lose weight or maintain weight while still indulging in a delicious guilt-free treat. The bars are low calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber, perfect for a keto diet. Go to builtbar.com, use the promo code LOCKDOWN. You'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKDOWN for 20% off at builtbar.com. Let's also talk about rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person at the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand that their warehouse happens to carry? You have a computer with access to rockauto.com both at home and in your pocket. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Go to RockAuto.com right now. You can see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Also, Fridays on Locked On NBA, join Adam Morris of Locked On Nuggets and Anthony Irwin of Locked On Lakers for a wrap-up of the biggest stories around the league. Anthony and Adam bring you game recaps, weekend previews, and a weekly NBA power ranking that you can't miss. Subscribe to the Locked On NBA podcast today wherever you get podcasts. All right, let's get back to yours truly and Ryland Styles of Lockdown Thunder talking about the Thunder season so far and how the Wolves and Thunder will stack up this weekend in the uh, the back-to-backs in Oklahoma City. So we're back on Lockdown Thunder, Lockdown Timberwolves. I am Ryland Styles. Joining me is Ben Beckin. Uh, and I just want to reset what you said earlier about the fans and the fan bases. Because right now, you living in Oklahoma City, I'm sure that you can feel this too. There is this energy of just combativeness from from two sides right now within the Thunder fan base. It's the Thunder have to tank, they have to tank, they have to tank, and the Thunder have to win, they have to win, they have to win. And if you don't think that they should, if you don't think that they should win, you should just leave the fan base because you're an awful fan and you're rooting for their demise and you're terrible. 
And then on the other side, there's, you know, if you don't think that they should tank, you're terrible because you don't understand, you know, how team building works. And so they're just so hard headed going back and forth with each other in an endless cycle of nonsense that when you take a second to step back and realize that this season, there's one outcome that you can consider bad. And that outcome would be if you are just good enough to finish where you're at currently. If you finish at 11th heading into lottery night and you only have a 9.4% chance uh, percent chance to get to the top four and you only have a 2% chance to get the top overall pick, you feel as though you've missed an opportunity there. And so that would be a bad outcome. However, even with that bad outcome, you still have immense draft capital and, and future assets to trade up in the draft. Now, can you trade up for Cade Cunningham? Probably not because Cade Cunningham should be this Zion type type figure where nobody is accepting offers for Zion and nobody is passing on Zion. But at this time, you know, in respect to their draft class, so this time would have been December with Luca, but at this time in December with Luca's draft, Luca was that number one top pick. And so things can change. Things can happen. At the end of the day, if your worst outcome is you saw a huge leap from Dort and Baisley and Shea, you saw that you have a prove you saw that you have made the right hire with Mark Dagnon, and more of that proves in the playoffs more so than the regular season. But still, this system has been proven to generate good luck and play fast and play up tempo and play a more modern style than what we're used to in Oklahoma City. If you prove all of those things and finish with pick 10, would it be ideal? No, ideally, you'd either want to make the playoffs or you'd want to get the top overall pick. But it also would not be earth-shattering considering the considering the position you've put yourself in with all of your future assets. And there's still question marks about where Houston will fall and where Miami will fall. I think personally Miami will go back and, and right the ship and they'll be in the postseason. So that pick is kind of null and void. And then with Houston, as long as, I don't, as long as I don't finish top four, you're good to go with the Houston pick. So I think that even with Oklahoma City fans, as you go round and round in this tanking conversation, you have to remember the Thunder are more well off than still most of the association right now. Yeah, agreed. Um, and I I think that the, the competing thoughts within the Thunder fan base, Timberwolves fans very well know that, um, I guess that, that battle, that internal battle of, of what's, what's best. And there's a little bit of that now because, um, not as much, because I think at this point, so much of the Timberwolves fan base is just weary enough that they just want to see wins. Um, and I think that that's fair. The other thing that's starting to loom, which two years ago, this conversation was ridiculous, but now, I mean, you're talking about only three more years after this one with Carl Anthony Towns under contract, two years with D'Angelo Russell after this year. So at some point you have to win to to keep those guys happy, especially Towns. Um, and, and so that's certainly a piece of this. And then, as I mentioned earlier, not having the draft pick this year, um, unless it's unless it's top three. And of course, the doomsday scenario is finishing as one of the league's three, four, five worst teams. And then the lottery happens and the Wolves end up fourth and the pick goes to Golden State. Even if the pick goes to seven or eight and goes to Golden State in a loaded draft, um, where some would argue that there's seven or eight better prospects in this year's draft than there was in the 2020 draft. That's an absolute disaster for a Timberwolves team that was expected to be competitive this year. And we can fall back on on the lack of health and, and Carl Anthony Towns' um, uh, you know, inability to stay on the court over the past calendar year. Um, but that doesn't change the fact that you'd lose your first round pick. And I guess at that point, the only silver lining is you've still got a guy who has the talent to be a top 10 player in the league. And even to this point with his defensive struggles, Towns is still pretty much a consensus top 20 player. He's been all NBA. He's a two-time all-star in his four games this year. He's competed defensively. He's shown some improvement. So there still is a scenario, as, as we said earlier, the Wolves 
you know, he comes back, the Wolves play well the rest of the year and you feel okay about it. Even if you lose the pick, say the Wolves finish 10th or 11th and just miss the play in and they lose the pick that's, you know, in the, in the low lottery, 10, 12 or something like that. It wouldn't be great, but it's not quite a doomsday scenario because at least, you know, you've got a really good player in Carl Anthony Towns. You've got Anthony Edwards going into his second year. You've got D'Angelo Russell, you've got, um, some future trade assets and things like that. So, um, it's just, Still, I mean, that's the best case scenario for the Timberwolves. And and whereas the Thunder have, you know, the consolation prize is, is the multiple future first round draft picks. It's the lottery. It's being competitive this year. It's feeling good about your new coaching hire. And um, and and what comes next for the Timberwolves? I, you know, it's it's very tough to to try and parse that when, when Towns hasn't been on the court. Um, you know, and, and I know Shea Gilgis-Alexander is a little bit banged up now, but... Um, but I mean, if he stays on the court for this Thunder team, you never know. I mean, they could they could mess around and and really truly compete for a playoff spot. So I, I want to kind of just put this conversation into a direction of when when is the timeline? You mentioned the contracts, you mentioned you know all this all these other factors, but with Cat and Delo and even with Coach Ryan Sanders, what is the timeline for them in the sense of judgment? I would say because I correlate it a little bit to Poku with, with the Thunder, their first round pick this year. No matter what he produces at the NBA level or at the G League bubble in, in this shortened G League season, this season is really taken off by fans and media and everybody in terms of being critical of him because he has so many things to adjust to and he's a long-term project. You've got to look at this over the course of two, three, four years. So nobody is going to be willing to give up on Poku after this year or even after next year. But with the Wolves, it seems like in this scenario, when you involve Cat and D'Lo and, and Coach Sanders, that there's more of an more of a sense of urgency and yet they still have not gotten this trio to work together for very many games. So how do you balance the fact of, okay, sure. In different moments, this looks bad, but whenever they're collectively all together, how long will they have together before you start making those tough decisions of, can you win with cat? Can you win with D'Lo? Can you win with coach Sanders? Like when, when do you start judgment day for the wolves. Yeah. I mean, I think the rest of the season, I think regardless of what happens towns and certainly towns will be on this team next year. There's no question about that. No matter how many rumors you hear about towns to the, whoever the Knicks, it's always the Knicks, right? Whoever. Um, or, you know, and I think it's very likely it's, it's like 99.9% towns is on this team next year. D'Angelo Russell's probably somewhere between 80 and 90% he's on this team. I, I mean, he's a max contract player who hasn't played anywhere near up to that value. So I, I think it'd be tough to trade him and the Wolves aren't going to rock the boat likely with this duo until they can see for sure that it does or doesn't work and unless they have a crazy offer. Um, so I think for those guys, for that core, it's it's at least another year, right? It's in the next season. For Ryan Saunders, I think it's the rest of this year. I don't think Rosas, there's been a lot of chatter around the Timberwolves, um, mostly the fan base, certainly Twitter, um, the blogosphere, if you will, about the Timberwolves possibly let it, you know, firing Ryan Saunders midseason. That's not going to happen. I, I really don't think they're going to. I mean, Saunders was the interim head coach when Gerson Rosas took over in May of 2019, and he chose to remove the interim tag and hire him after an interview process. David Vanterpool was hired as the associate head coach. They lured him away from Portland. There's kind of this thought that maybe Ryan Saunders would be the eventual scapegoat and they'd promote Vanterpool. But I mean, Ryan Saunders obviously is the son of the late great Flip Saunders. He was an assistant in the organization. He's close with the owner and his wife, the, the Taylors. The Wolves aren't just going to can Ryan Saunders unceremoniously in the middle of the season for better or for worse. And is there a little bit of, as Wolves fans like to call it, the country club? Is there a little bit of, of uh, I, I mean, 
I don't like calling it nepotism because Saunders has been in the NBA for over 10 years and, and he's, he's by all accounts been a good assistant. There's a lot of things he does well. Um, I really don't think he just gets, just gets let go when Cat and D'Lo have only played five games together over the course of a calendar year. So I think if Cat comes back, call it in the next week and say he's healthy for the final, you know, three quarters of the season, two thirds of the season and the Wolves fail to be competitive. If they are clearly below 500 from, you know, with Cat on the floor the rest of the season, there's a conversation about Ryan Saunders' job status in the offseason, unquestionably. I think it's very likely he would be let go at that point. But if Cat comes back and they're competitive, they show fire, they're decent defensively, they they play 500 ball with Cat and D'Lo on the floor. Gerson Rosas, the president of basketball operations, has said that this roster is not set. And so he's acknowledging that even if, hey, if we finish 500 or if, if we play 500 with our stars on the floor, there's still some tweaks to be made. This isn't our final roster. So I think then Saunders gets another crack at it. Um, there's some things he does well that people don't give him credit for. He's fantastic at at ATOs, at calling plays out of timeouts. He's fantastic at, um, at sideline out of bounds plays. He's really, really good at some of those strategic things. There's other things he's really struggled with, whether that be substitution patterns or timeout management has been the biggest thing. Um, and, and can he get his players to consistently play hard? And, and some of those things are more damning than others. But I really would be surprised if the Wolves pulled the plug on Ryan Saunders without giving him the opportunity to coach the roster that the front office assembled. Um, it's very concerning when they lose by you know, 30, they had, I think three out of four games where they trailed by 30 or more points after towns first got hurt. That's really concerning. And a lot of that falls on coaching, but since then they played a little bit better. They've quietly played better defensively against, you know, not a bunch of great offensive teams, but they've been competitive. So I think as long as this team plays hard the rest of the year and shows some, some improvement with both cat and Delo on the floor, I think Saunders gets another crack at it next year. I don't think there's any chance he gets let go in the next couple of weeks um, unless something absolutely crazy happens. So um, I think the timeline for Cat and D'Lo is much longer than it is for Saunders, but everybody's going to get to the end of this year. I mean, and for, for all the reasons I mentioned, I, I think there's still a lot to be written about the roster that Rosas has assembled. So the last thing I have on the big picture of the Timberwolves is just Anthony Edwards. And I ask this because with a Thunder, I don't know if you saw it or not, but there was a couple of weeks where you know, it was reported by ESPN and, and that the Thunder were looking to move up to the top pick and look up to to, to move up in the draft and, and try to get LaMelo and, and, and try to, you know, shake things up at the top of the draft. And so that caused Thunder fans to, you know, get invested into LaMelo and Anthony Edwards, rightfully so. I mean, that, that's credible reporting that the Thunder were apparently trying to do something. So where are you at with Anthony Edwards? Because I feel like we hear a ton about LaMelo and, and we also hear a ton about uh, Therese Halliburton, but... Anthony Edwards is seemingly flying under the radar, which I think he's had a pretty good rookie season. Correct me if I'm wrong there, but where are you at with Anthony Edwards? Yeah. Um, for anybody that listened to Lockdown Wolves over the summer, and I, I, I mean, you know this, Rylan, we we talked about the draft for what seemed like six months. Um, <laughs> I was on LaMelo Ball for the Timberwolves. I thought he was a better fit. I thought that, you know, you could work the double ball handler thing with D'Lo because D'Lo can shoot and you could trade D'Lo down the road if you needed to. And I just didn't care for Edwards as a prospect. And most of the concerns I had have come to fruition in terms of his his lack of consistency, rebounding the ball, some of his defensive issues, but he's been much better at his strengths than I gave him credit for. He, um, he when he chooses to be aggressive and get into the paint, nobody can stop him. Um, there was a, a clip that was going around the other night when the Wolves played the Cavs, actually two games in a row they played the Cavs, um, where he basically just put a shoulder into Andre Drummond and sent him flying. And, and Drummond's not, you know, he's he's overrated as a defender, but he's a big dude. And Edwards just moved him out of the way in a really nonchalant sort of sort of 
fashion. And um, that's sort of a play. He can finish with either hand at the rim. He can get past anybody. He's not afraid to get his shot blocked. He can dunk. He can finish with finesse. All those things are really impressive. Um, the thing to me that's been most impressive is his ability to catch and shoot. Um, he didn't do a ton of that at Georgia because he was the Georgia Bulldogs, right? I mean, he was controlling the ball. He wasn't catching and shooting very often. He was creating his own offense. Off the bounce, his shooting has not been very good this year. He'll force threes on occasion for the season. He's, he's I think, right around 34, 35% from three, which is fine. But on catch and shoot threes, he's just under 40%. And if he's shooting off the bounce, if he's um, creating his own shot, if he's shooting jumpers in isolation, that number plummets. Um, but if he's catching and shooting and Rubio or, or Russell's creating a shot for him, he's been a, kind of a revelation. And he has limitless range, looks really comfortable when he steps into his shot. Um, on the catch. And, and that to me has been really, really impressive. So basically if he can adjust his shot selection, you're talking about a guy who, who probably could still win rookie of the year over LaMelo because he's been that impressive. He had the big dunk over James Wiseman in golden state week and a half ago. He, um, had a couple of 25 plus point games off the bench. He's now in the starting lineup and he's going to get the opportunity to, to be involved. The Wolves actually, for the first time this year, called some plays for him the other night. They called, they had a couple post-up plays that they ran for Anthony Edwards. And um, those are the sorts of things they weren't doing earlier in the season. And so he was kind of, had a couple offers and had some quiet stretches, but now he's getting more comfortable. He's getting more involved and, and he's been a better shooter than I think anyone anticipated. So I'm, I think he's going to be a good pro and he certainly still has the ceiling of a star caliber player. It's the shot selection and um, to me, that's the biggest thing. And then also, is he going to compete consistently on defense? Um, the Wolves had him on DeMar DeRozan down the stretch against the Spurs, and he did fairly well. Um, he had a couple fouls, and DeRozan made a tough shot. But, I mean, when he applies himself and, and competes defensively, he can be a good defender. Um, so I think I'm, I'm happy to be proven wrong. Um, there's been stretches where all of my concerns have come true, but for the most part, he's been really impressive. Um, and, 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 you know, that's that's what the Wolves need is, is, is more, more players like that, that they can add to their, to, to Carl Anthony Towns and put around towns that have that star, um, you know, that star ceiling, um, you know, moving forward. Yeah. I, I've had a lot of fun watching Anthony Edwards. I think that he's just a cool guy to build around. Like I know off the court, it doesn't really matter in terms of like upping your value, but I think that there is some sort of entertainment value for Anthony Edwards off the floor. Like that uh, preseason interview whenever he was just saying that he's the best at everything he does, yeah. that he will, he'll be the best at any sport he plays. Yeah. That was oh yeah. Funny. He, his, uh, his media sessions are incredible. I mean, he, he'll, he just says whatever's on his mind and there's something refreshing about that unfilteredness. And it's, it's funny because Carl Anthony Towns is, is so methodical and well thought out in everything he says. And he's, he's a, you know, a great dude. And, um, but, but Anthony Edwards just says whatever he thinks of. And, you know, after his first couple of games, he said, oh yeah, it's not any harder. It's just basketball, same pace for me. You know, I don't, I don't do anything different. And, and it's just, it's just so, uh, so unfiltered, just, just what comes to mind. And that's, it's very refreshing. And, um, and to have somebody that's for the most part going to play hard and just, you know, we didn't win tonight. I'll play harder tomorrow. That's, it's great uh, to have somebody like that on a team that otherwise could be so jaded um, with some of these guys that have lost for so much of their career. So it's definitely been fun to, to have him on the team. So shifting into tonight's games, you know, tonight's game and Saturday's game, you know, I, I know that you never want to overreact to a regular season NBA game. I mean, there's just so many of them. Unlike in other sports, you know, football, there's only 16. So you can overreact to all of them. But with basketball, you want to try to stay more even keel. But 
We've mentioned before that each team, the Thunder and the, and the Wolves, are in this kind of jumbled Western Conference, and they both have very tough games moving forward the rest of this month before things get easier on the other side. So for the time being right now, to avoid being buried by this just monstrosity of a schedule, how much value and how much emphasis are you putting on these two games? Because for me, if the Thunder want to weather the storm here and, and weather playing the Lakers twice and Nuggets twice and Bucks twice in the same month, along with other fringe playoff teams. If they want to weather that storm, they have to take care of business, at least for one game against the Wolves. They did their job. They split with the Rockets and now they have to make up a game here against Minnesota to balance out the games against the Nuggets and the Lakers and the Bucks. So I put a lot of emphasis and a ton of value on these two games. And I think that if either side can pull off a sweep in these two games, that it boost them greatly the rest of the way. Yeah, absolutely. And and just in terms of, I mean, get, certainly saying this, recognizing the Wolves are in last in the West, but any potential tiebreaker as well, I think it's pretty likely they'll play again in the second half that we don't have the schedule yet for that. But just to have a 2-0 lead, if they only play three times this year, would be huge. Um, like you said, psychologically going into a tough part of the schedule for both teams is really important. And also the Wolves to bounce back from, um, you know, the Thunder are coming off an impressive win, uh, a shorthanded win, as you mentioned, and the Wolves are coming off of a devastating loss up 16 early in the fourth quarter, you know, win probability. I think it was the second game in a row, the Wolves had a win probability over 97%, you know, in the final few minutes, and then they ended up losing. Um, so, just the ability for the Wolves to bounce back to show that they're still going to play hard for their for their coach for their teammates, um, that's going to be important. And, and the you know you alluded to this earlier. I, I jokingly called it a rivalry. The Thunder and Wolves have historically understanding most of the rosters are different. They've played good games against each other. I mean, it was only uh, it feels like ten years ago now, but um, right after Coach Coach Thibodeau got fired in January of 2019, Ryan Saunders got his first win at Oklahoma City as an interim head coach. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that same year, early in the year, there was the Andrew Wiggins half-court shot and, or the three, three-quarters court shot or whatever it was to win the game. Um, and there were other Andrew Wiggins games going all the way back. I mean, I, I was at the uh, the triple overtime, Kevin Love, 55-point, J.J. Brea triple-double game way back in, like, whatever, 2013 or whatever that was. There always seem to be good Wolves-Thunder games, and most of them are in Oklahoma City. So hopefully we're in for a couple of close games and hopefully... Um, the Timberwolves can at least be competitive and, and maybe pull one of them out. But I think we both deserve a split in this game um, just to give just to give our teams a little bit of uh, of hope moving into a, a really rough stretch schedule wise. Yeah, I think that for either side that, you know, your lowest bar has to be a split because of just how tough coming up this month is. If you want to weather the storm and you want to make the postseason or, or have a chance at making that play in, which still is to be determined. I mean, I mean, neither one of us are in quite the position of the play-in yet. I mean, the, the 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 Thunder are still under 500. Same with the Wolves, but the play-in is not out of the realm of possibility right now for anyone in the Western Conference. That you know, a, a good week can be the difference at the end of the day, and then that's why I do find it weird to talk about the uh, lack of meaning in the regular season because. For this specific year, you're not playing for one through eight. You're playing for one through ten. And so you're going to finish two games out, one one and a half games out at the tenth spot. That This game tonight could be the difference in, in doing that. So I think that all games have a lot of meaning, but especially considering the upcoming slate for both teams, that you know these two will be very important. Yeah, and not, and not only that, I mean, yes, there's playing games, but it's also a, a 
shorter schedule, right? So every game mm-hmm. by definition has more meaning, meaning because it's a higher percentage of your schedule. And so um, it's very likely the Wolves and Thunder only play three times. So if somebody gets swept, they're almost for sure going to have the tiebreaker. Um, and, you know, those things matter. And and, uh, and also I think we've talked around this quite a bit, but but the psychological, the idea of a team that uh, was prepared to not win, beating you, you know, twice in a row. And, and the Wolves, there's a chance we, you know, we don't know yet recording this um, a little bit early, but we don't know if Carl Anthony Towns is going to play this weekend. And if he comes back, it's pretty unlikely he plays in both games on a back on a back-to-back right after returning from COVID protocols. But, um, you know, if Towns plays and the Wolves don't win, then it just kind of, the the overall kind of feel around the team continues to sink further. And, and so there's that piece of it too. And if, if Towns plays, maybe they get a boost and, you know, both literally because he's really good and also because, um, you know, psychologically, mentally, they're they're more with it. Um, there's a little bit of a wild card there. And I know SGA is a little banged up as well and didn't play on Wednesday. So there's, there's some of those things that we don't quite know yet as well. They're going to impact how these games play out too. Yeah, I think that we're in for a good game Friday because you know, we don't know about Cat and SGA yet, but just like with Cat, even if he comes back, you'd imagine he's only going to play Friday and not Saturday or vice versa. Without Horford, the great assumption is he's not going to play in one of these two games, you know, likely the Saturday game. So I think that Friday is really the tone setter for, for this series and that we're going to start out with a really good, really good game to start the weekend, which will be so much fun. So Ben, tell them where they can find you on Twitter uh, and, and all that fun stuff and where they can find the Locked on Wolves podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I can be found on Twitter at, at bbeacon, that's two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N, and of course, at Locked on T-Wolves. Um, of course, subscribe to Locked on Wolves uh, wherever you get podcasts. And of course, of, of course, Locked on Thunder as well, and, and all the Locked on shows. Yep, I'm Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles, and you can follow the show on Twitter at LO Thunder Pod, and Locked on Thunder is anywhere you get your podcast from. Ben, Good luck to you and the Timberwolves. This is going to be an an imperative two games, I think. So it'll be fun to see who comes out on the other side. Yeah, likewise. Appreciate it, Ryan. And there you have it, a Locked On Wolves, Locked On Thunder crossover episode. Thanks, of course, to Ryland for doing that with me. Um, Go check out Locked On Thunder if you want to catch up on the Wolves Northwest Division. I think we settled on calling it a rivalry just based on the the quality of games that the Wolves have played in Oklahoma City, really, and not as much at Target Center against the Thunder, but um, still a fun series and uh, definitely will... Um, we'll be checking in with Ryland later this season. I would imagine the Wolves and Thunder will play again in the second half. So um, be sure to check out Lockdown Thunder for all things Thunder. And thanks again to Ryland for for doing that. Um, that's all we have for today on the show. Of course, enjoy the Wolves game this evening and also on Saturday. We'll do a weekend pod following the Friday and Saturday games. Hopefully the Wolves will at least earn a split. We'll have some positive news to talk about over the weekend. So check in then. Of course, we'll be back Monday. This is a daily podcast Monday through Friday. Um, so be sure to subscribe wherever you get podcasts, including Spotify. Spotify, iTunes, Google, etc. And as I mentioned a moment ago, you can follow on Twitter at Locked On T Wolves. Thanks again for listening to Locked On Wolves. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast, and we will catch you next time.